My name is Eddie. I'm the lead pastor here. <laughs> it's good to be back, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, it is it's a pleasure to be with you all today. I was, uh, thank you to Maggie and the team, for the worship team. I, I really, I was encouraged by, by our, our moment of worship. I think God was moved and encouraged by it as well. Um, as we were, as we were worshiping God, I just was thinking of, of how faithful he's been. And, and sometimes in, in a moment like that, it, it can feel a bit perfunctory, as though this is what we do on Sundays. Uh, but I just wanted to take a moment for each of us. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we actually just watched a, a movie about uh, Fred Rogers. Interesting man. Uh, and, and one of the things, one of the practices that he had, you know, he was a great listener. And he was one who really had a desire to instill in children this ability to um, handle, uh, be aware of, manage their emotions. And, and one of the ways he did that in his own life was to practice gratitude. And he would, he would take a moment, and, and if you look him up at all, uh, and Fred Rogers, that's Mr. Rogers if you're not connecting the dots. Um, but if you look you, you, at an award ceremony or an interview, He'll do this thing where he says, you know what, something I like to do is I like to take 60 seconds to, to think about all the ways that, all the people who have made me who I am. And it's a moment of gratitude. And as we were worshiping God, I think that we had the opportunity to step in and take 60 seconds to think about what God has done. And I was reading this in Psalm 111, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. That's, that's what we're doing right now. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. Studied by all who delight in them. Great, full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his work in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his, uh, all his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. In other words, he has established the new covenant in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, forever. I'm reading New Testament into the Old Testament. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord, the awe, the respect, the honor, the, the right, appropriate valuation of who God is in light of who we are. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Father, we come to you and we take a moment to be grateful. Bring to mind, God, all the ways that you have been faithful to us, both in terms of the history of your redemptive work from Genesis to the cross and beyond, and personally as we reflect on things like how you've helped us pay the bills, healed us, comforted us, all the people that you've brought into our lives who have allowed your love to flow through them to us.
God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We recognize that we stand and we sit on holy ground because our good God is here with us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. So we've been going through a series on the Lord's Prayer, and we are, <laughs> we are, we're done. We're almost done. It's been, what, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, five verses that we've managed to, to make last longer than a month, which I feel pretty good about that. I've enjoyed it myself personally. Um, you know, a lot of times when, as, as a person who teaches, you, you read a text, and uh, if it's a longer thing, you've got a lot of things that you want to say, and so you have to kind of, uh, you know, you're a chef with, with too many ingredients, and I, if you've ever eaten with me, you know that I like all the things. Like, if, I, if it all fits in a bowl, it's all going in a bowl. And, and sometimes my teaching can reflect that. And so this has been neat because it's allowed me to kind of narrow in. Although, still, I find myself looking at different things and having to narrow it in. But, but I hope that this has been an, encourage, an encouragement uh, for you to, to engage Scripture and to engage God in prayer knowing that he hears you, that he desires to hear from you, that he loves you, uh, and that, that he has given this to us so that we will avail ourselves of it, that he has taught us to pray in order that we would, what, pray. So this last verse that we're going to look at really focuses in on this question that we all have from time to time of what do we do when we see ahead of ourselves trials and temptations? What do we do how should we respond when we see ahead of ourselves, like oncoming traffic, trials and temptations? I've got this meeting I'm going to. I've got this coworker that um, we've had some challenges working with, and I know that I'm going to be face to face with this individual, and and they are going to challenge my Christianity. <laughs> I know that uh, you know Thanksgiving is coming up, and I'm planning my plans, and I'm going to have to go see my in-laws, and I'm. I'm thinking through what it looks like. This is not me personally. This is just hypothetically. I like my in-laws. They're, they're, good, they're good to me. Um, but I know that I'm going to face some challenges, some relational challenges. You know, my, my friends are off at college, and I'm all alone, and, and I'm facing some trials and some temptations in my relationships. What do we do? How do we respond when faced with trials and temptations? Well, we pray. So we're going to stand together and we're going to read again the Lord's Prayer today. If you could join me, if you're online, you can, I would encourage you still to join. This is out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. This is the word of the Lord to us, and God, we thank you that you have not left us without direction, but that you have called us to pray. And God, you have established your words these prayers that you're calling us to, to be the means, the instrument 
through which you move. God, we recognize in this moment that if we don't pray, some things don't happen because you have ordained that prayer, that our request, that our asking of our Father be the way that you activate your will and your purposes. And so, Lord, we we come to you, and God, I pray that you would impress upon us the weightiness of our prayers, that, that they do something because that's how you've ordained it to be. And that when we pray, we can... We can stand with faith, knowing that we will have the strength to do what you've called us to do. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. They've asked him, how should we pray? And it's worth noting that he ends here in, chapter, in verse 13. Now, if you have, a, I think it's a New King James, maybe a New American Standard uh, King James, there's some, additional, there's some additional text called the doxology. Really great content, right? To, to thine be the glory and the power and dominion forever and ever, amen. Right? Many of you, that's how you learned it. And in, in the ESV and the NIV and many of the other Bibles, you don't see that reflected. And that is not because these, uh, these translators are wrong or they don't like that, but it's because the earliest manuscripts, the earliest copies that we have of scripture don't reflect that doxology. And so as we try to determine, as we, as, as scholars try to determine what the original scriptures said, which we don't have original copy, we don't have the originals, but we have many, 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 many copies. As they try to figure out what the originals said, they have to work through some of these things. And in cases where it seems like there's an addition that's helpful Usually what has happened is that there was a scribe or, you know, someone who's writing, uh, copying the Bible who said, you know what, this really needs, uh, w- w- let's add this in here as, as, a, as a note, as, as something that can bring uh, help, or, or in this case, as what was likely a practice in the later church, right? In the later church, they probably prayed this and ended, to thine be the glory, not in King James because some prior to that, but, but they added that in. With, with no negative or, or wicked intentions, but that is why it's not there. Are, are we okay with that? The Bible's still trustworthy. We still have the power of God. We're still tracking. We can still say, to thine, to God, to you be the glory and power and dominion forever and ever, and we can back it up with other scriptures. We're just saying that that may not have been probably not what, was Jesus, what Jesus was saying, okay? But he does say this. He says, and lead us not into temptation, and lead us not into temptation. And the Lord's Prayer is one of those parts of the Bible where if you're not careful, it's just going to say, oh yeah, lead us not into temptation. Because you've heard it. and you've, I mean, Even if you're not even a Christian in this room, you've probably been to a church and heard it recited. And so you're just like, yeah, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the glory. <laughs> and and it, it doesn't have any meaning. And I don't mean that negatively, I just mean that, that when you become familiar with something, you know, your house has a smell. You don't notice it, but when you bring your friends over, they notice it. And hopefully it's a good smell, but maybe it's a bad smell. I was in college with some guys, and it was a bad smell, you know? And we didn't notice it, but, you know, I'm sure my girlfriend at the time did. Um, it's probably not true. I had a, f- a roommate who was very fastidious as it related to being clean, um, 
So anyhow, the point stands, when it comes to scripture, sometimes we, we can become familiar with it, and, and I want us to take a moment and, and listen to that. Lead us not into temptation. Why would we have to even pray that to God who doesn't want us to fall to temptation? Does God lead us into temptation? There we go. No. So when we look at this, we have to, okay, what, what does Jesus mean when he says, lead us not into temptation? Because Jesus is teaching us how to pray. So he's saying, when you talk to God, when you talk to your father, say this, Father, don't lead me into temptation. So one option is that uh, he's saying, don't bring us into some situations where we're being tempted. Another option is, please don't tempt us. And the final option is, please don't let us succumb to temptation. Option number one is, do not bring us into, some ta- uh, into situations where we're, we're tempted. Option number two is, do not tempt us, God. And by tempt us, I mean do not entice us to sin. Or option number three, do not let us succumb to something that is enticing us to sin. Do not let us succumb or give in to temptation. Well, option one, do not bring us into situations where we're being tempted. I would love to say that God never does that. But in, in one chapter before, we see this. Then Jesus was led, what? By the Spirit, where? Into the wilderness. For what purpose? To be tempted by the devil. God will gladly, for his purposes, bring you into situations where you are challenged and you face a trial. Now, does he personally do the tempting? No, God does not. He cannot. Option number one, do not bring us into situations where we will be tempted. That's not, that's not what Jesus means. Option two, we've said, do not tempt us. That's also not what he means because James talks about this. You know, he has some individuals in, in, that he's speaking to who, who may have been blaming God for the, for the sins that they're committing. And he says in verse 13 of chapter 1, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And he goes on, and, but each of you is tempted because of your evil desires. So he says, God does not tempt. So option two is out. Do not tempt us. That's all. So option number three, do not let us succumb to temptation. That is likely what Jesus means. In Mark chapter 14, verse 34, we hear some similar language. Um, Mark 14, not, not 11. 38. Watch, Jesus, Jesus is speaking and he says this, watch and pray that you may not, what, enter into temptation. Father, lead us not into temptation, temptation, Jesus is praying, he's telling his disciples that they're at the garden and, and he's praying and he's, he's saying, guys, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. He clearly in that moment means that you do not succumb to the temptation to sleep rather than pray. So, so he's saying here in the same way, do not let it, us succumb to temptation. He's, he's saying, in, lead us not into temptation, pray for strength to avoid or to bear up under, but certainly to not succumb to temptation when it comes. So the bad news is, family, you are going to face temptations. You're going to face moments where you have an opportunity to um, lose it towards a coworker, friend, spouse, relative, 
enemy, or to not succumb to that temptation. You're going to have opportunities to walk in integrity or to bend the truth just a little bit. You're going to have opportunities to walk in in purity or, or, or give in to something that doesn't look like the way that God has ordained for us to live our lives in relationship with one another. We will face trials and temptations. In fact, James, as a college kid, I loved James 1. I don't know why. But it says, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you can be uh, whole and complete, lacking nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should pray and ask God. And I thought this was awesome. That was my first, uh, my, my first sermon. Why? Because I was in college and I had no idea what I was talking about. Temptations and trials are not fun. He has, to, he has to say count it all joy because you know what we don't do? We don't count it all joy. But what he says is he says count it all joy, what? When you face trials. Family, you will face trials because we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world, a world in which uh, it, it's characterized by Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 2 that it's under the, the lordship of, of the enemy, that that God is establishing a kingdom where there is an enemy kingdom. So we need to pray for strength to avoid, bear up under, and not succumb to temptation. Now perhaps you've been struggling with a particular sin. It, it may be that you need to pray for God not to lead you in it, into it, and that prayer itself may be the means by which God gives you strength to over, avoid it and overcome it. What I'm saying here is that there, there may be a sin or sins in your life, a besetting sin or, or sins in your life that you're, you're so focused on the sin that you've, you've not asked God, help me with this. You've not said, God, don't lead me into temptation. Help me not to succumb to this. And you've believed the lie that I will always struggle with this. My dad had a temper. His dad had a temper, you know, my parents were really bad with money. Their ba- parents were really bad with money. Not that necessarily being bad with money is a sin, but oftentimes they're, they're related. And, and maybe you have given in and you've not even begun to think about praying, God, lead me not into this temptation. Help me not to succumb to this temptation. And there are prayers like this in Scripture where God will wait, not, not unki- in an unkind way, but he will wait for us to call upon him. And it's that prayer that becomes the conduit through which the grace and power and strength of God flows. God uses prayer. Have you ever wondered, you know, uh, okay, if we believe this doctrine that God is, he's eternal, he doesn't change, he's immovable, his will is his will, his, is his will. And at the same time, he calls us to pray. And somehow when we pray, God does things. Does that mean that we're changing God's will? That, that in a moment, God's like, okay, I want to go down the, oh, Eddie, what'd you say? Okay, I'll turn left. I was going to turn right, but I'm going to turn left now. Is that, is that what's happening? No. What he is, God is so sovereign that he has said, when Eddie prays and asks me to turn left, I'm going to turn left. And he ordained that whole piece. He ordained the praying, the response, and, and what looks like change from my perspective but it was always his plan. And, and so, but there are things that legitimately he will not do from our perspective and he has, he has decided not to do 
except through the means of prayer. And so he says here, pray, lead us not into temptation. But what, what, else, what else do you want us to do, Jesus? What else do you want us to pray? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Family, we need a deliverer. Now, if, you, if you've read any sort of commentaries or study Bibles, you might have seen that in the original language, there's some ambiguity. Does, he, does it mean evil as a, a kind of neutral, or not neutral, but neuter, actually, um, uh, entity, or just kind of evil in the world, bad things, or are we talking about the evil one? And I think there's some value to scholars thinking through that and trying to figure it out, but at the end of the day, being delivered from the evil one helps us to be delivered from evil, and for us to be delivered from evil, we need to be delivered from the evil one. So it's, you pick your poison, we, we need to be delivered from both. We need to be delivered, and, and the point is that we live in an evil world which finds its source of power for, in Satan, who is the evil one and who militates against us. Jesus invites us to pray for deliverance. Again, if you, if you read, just go and, and read the, 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 the minor prophets, just all of them. That's, that's your new job. This Sunday, the rest of the no. um, If you read any of the prophets, you'll see this, this progression of uh, the, the Israelites' sin. They give in to foreign gods. They disobey God. He, he does what he says he's going to do. You know, if you don't do what I tell you, you're going to go into um, captivity. And they go into captivity. And what do they do? They say, we don't like captivity. This is bad. God help us. And what does he do? He delivers them. Sin, captivity, prayer, deliverance. Sin, captivity, prayer, deliverance. Sin, captivity, prayer, deliverance. This is, this is the way that God has worked from the foundations of the world. There's something that, that moves the heart of God when we say, God, help us. Because you know what it is? It's an acknowledgement that we can't do it. You can't help someone who's drowning who's like, I got this! Like, I'm pretty sure you don't. You're sinking. That's okay. No, very clearly, they need help. This prayer, it, it, we could so easily skip over it. It's, it's a request. God, deliver me from evil. You know what it isn't? It isn't help me deliver myself from evil. Give me 10 steps towards more productivity in terms of delivering myself from evil. Help me establish five habits of self-salvation. What what does Franklin Covey have to say about me doing a better job of delivering myself by adding the Bible into it? Some of us, we we don't get saved, we don't get helped because we think that, that if I read the Bible, that that Somehow just the perfunctory act of reading the Bible makes me uh, successful. Now, read the Bible. (laughs) This is why I don't use my iPad to, like, I want to shake this at you. So you can see there's a Bible. This is not Angry Birds. It's not the Pages app, but it's a Bible. You got to read it. But the thing about it is, you know, my sons are reading um, Lord of the Rings, and in many ways, they are kind of living in the world of Lord of the Rings. And we, we talk about it, 
you know, their names. I'm trying to catch up and keep up. And shamefully, I, I know more about the Lord of the Rings from the movies, which they're pretty good from what I understand, but than the books. Don't judge me. Um, but, but there's something immersive about that. They have read the books, but they haven't just, okay, I'm going to read a chapter and I'm going to learn about, okay, Legolas, blah, 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 okay, Frodo, good, okay, and then they, it's done. They, what'd you read about? I don't know. Chapter four, Fellowship of the Rings. No, they can tell me point for point. This guy was doing this and this, my precious, and then you these uh, wraiths, and it was black and scary, and you know, Frodo and Big Feet and Sam, happy, I don't know. Just saying words, just, just nerd buzzwords. Here we go. Myself included, sorry. Um, but but they've, they've apprehended something. And, and he's saying, deliver us from evil. And we have to recognize that he's calling us to do something more than just quote scripture. But to recognize that we need a deliverer. Family, we need someone to take us from captivity and bring us into freedom. Spiritual captivity into real spiritual freedom. Don't allow me to succumb to temptation, but rather deliver me. Now sometimes that deliverance comes by God shutting a door and opening another way, and and you avoid that temptation completely. Some of you are in the middle of a trial, and you're like, I wish that I could have prayed this and it been effective last week or last month or in my grandma's life because it was my grandma, then my mom, and I'm, I'm paying the consequences of those th- choices. But this prayer is still effective because God is able to deliver either through pr- the prevention or, or the salvation from bondage. And we've been praying these things and and the danger is to treat this like an incantation. Our Lord, our Father who has our name, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. And, and, and kind of treat it as though, you know, um, you know <laughs> think about, you know, 1990s video games and it's, it's a 2D, you're running, you know, you get hurt and you've got three bars, they're down to two, you're running, you get, you, you know, some mushroom touches you down one bar and then you, you, you get something, a heart or whatever, and then you get, boom, two bars. And, and, and treat the, the Lord's prayer like it's a heart that I'm running after, I'm just going to ingest this heart, it's going to give me more power. And, and it's not an incantation, it's a prayer. And we can pray this way because Jesus there, there's, there's, a, there's a power behind this, not because of the words themselves, but because Jesus empowered these words. Jesus, he faced temptations. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was, hung, he was hungry. Surprise, surprise. Thank you, Master, for being clear. And the tempter came and said to him, of course the tempter would come after 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't come when he's full. He's like, do you want a burger? And Jesus was like, yes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, in, in, in John chapter 1, verse 5, it says that, that not only did Jesus face temptation, but, but he overcame darkness. In John chapter 1, verse five, 5, the light shines in the darkness, talking about Jesus, and the darkness has not what overcome it. 
he faced temptation and overcame the evil one. And through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we are delivered from the evil one. In Colossians, we're delivered from the evil one. In Colossians chapter 1, I've quoted it once before, but it's worth repeating. He says that, that we have been transferred. God the Father has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of what? His beloved son. We're able to be delivered because God has established a kingdom in his son. Even the Old Testament saints were being delivered, what, into the promise of a, of a new kingdom, the kingdom of son. It's like they bought a house in, in, you know, in Broadlands that was being built. <laughs> there was the promise of, of this is going to be a place for you, and we get to live in that house. Through his life and death and resurrection, we are delivered. In, in, in Hebrews Chapter, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says this. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, talking about humanity, he himself likewise, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject, subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus died so that we could pray this prayer. He died in order that we might be able to say, deliver us from evil, and that be an effectual, effective, powerful prayer. God has allowed our, our prayers to be the valve that opens the flow of his grace and mercy in our lives. Some of you, you, you need God's grace and you need his mercy, but you aren't seeing it. But the thing is, the, you know, you come to the house and you're, you, you've been out in COVID world and you're like, I need to wash my hands, but there's no water. Where's the water? And the valve is looking at you like, I'm right here. The faucet's, I'm, I'm, I'm here. You're like, I don't, there's no water. Well, it's because you haven't turned on the faucet. And we're looking at our lives and saying, God, I need your help. I need your deliverance. I need your strength to obey. I need, I need to get out of this temptation. I need to get away from this trial. I need to get through it. How can I get through it? That would be prayer, so that's how. But some of us feel that way and we don't take it to God. And I, I promise you, family, if you will just humble yourself before the Lord and take these things to God, you will begin to see spiritual vitality flow in your lives in ways that you had been asked or wanting it to flow and it hadn't been flowing before. God desires for you to pray. He desires for you to come to him and recognize that I am incapable, but you are capable. I cannot be delivered. You can deliver me. When we pray, we, we, we have opportunity to lay aside every temptation to, to worship other idols. Because when we pray, we say, you are the one who can hear, who can speak, and who is capable of making change. And when we don't pray, we're saying, I am the one, or this thing over here is the one. If I could just, if I could just get a, a little bit earlier, work a little bit harder, be a little bit better, if I could do this, if I could do this, if I, if I could just change this person, if I could just hold out for a little bit longer. When, when God is saying, no, 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 you can't, and I've orchestrated it that way. I've made it that way because I want you to come to me. 
Family, there are some of you that God wants to hear from. We've been talking about prayer for five weeks because God wants to hear from you. He doesn't want to hear kind of in general from Grace Covenant Church Sterling, but he wants to hear from you. And he's waiting. He's got all the resources, all the stuff that you need, all the, all the emotional support and comfort that you need, and he's just waiting. Because he's what? Our father. Do you feel like you lack spiritual strength to obey? I would encourage you today to pray and then believe by faith that he's empowered you to, to obey. I was talking to someone about this season of life. You know, there's a lot of things going on. Um, transition. Um, not, not super big transitions, but just trying to get things going. And I was describing our life and the church and all that's going on um, in, in, you know, one of the most biblical ways possible by referring to Indiana Jones and the, the, um, the Holy Grail, the Church for the Holy Grail. Because it's Bible, right? <laughs> no. um, but there's this one part, and if you're young, Indiana Jones is this guy, he's awesome, he's got a whip and uh, a fedora, and he wore it before it was cool and made it cool. But also he was a, like a, he was a archaeologist, right? With a gun. I mean, it's really great. Just a hero of mine. Anyways, he's searching for the Holy Grail, which was intended to be this, uh, the cup that Jesus drank from on the, the night that he was betrayed. Which, by the way, don't do that. The cup was the cup. The power's in Jesus. But in the movie, the power's in the cup. So, um, so he's after the cup. And he comes to this one place where it's this huge chasm and the door that he needs to get to, or the cave entrance, you might say, is on the other side of this gigantic chasm. And he's got this little book with, with riddles and puzzles. Ooh, oh my. Um, and, and he has to figure it out. And it turns out that there's an invisible walkway. So he grabs some dirt, throws it on the invisible walkway, and the dirt kind of floats. And he steps out in faith. And he doesn't die. Because there have to be other Indiana Jones movies. Um, it would be, that would be really anticlimactic if he just, he died. Credits. <laughs> what? That was a short, anyways, the point is when we pray, sometimes we pray and we just stand. Like, God, please help me. But when we pray and we pray in God's will, God, please help me to not succumb to temptation. We need to step out and say, you know what? I think that God has given me the power to obey. And walk across and get the proverbial, yeah, anyways. Do you feel unable to overcome trials in your life? Pray and believe by faith that God has given you the strength to move forward. Pray and believe that God has given you the strength to move forward. God has done the work and he's willing to do more and he invites us to pray. Have you prayed today? Let's do that now. Father God, we come to you. We recognize that you are in heaven, that you are enthroned in heaven, and that means that you're ruling from heaven. God, above all else, we, we desire as a church, as individuals, we desire that, that your name would be set apart in the hearts and minds of everyone 
that we'd be able to enter into worship with all of creation and like the, like the angels in heaven to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Hallowed be your name. Establish your kingdom here in Sterling. Establish your kingdom in my life. Establish your kingdom along the Route 7 corridor. Establish your kingdom in, in the areas of my heart where I have temptation to hold it back from you, to say, God, you can have the other parts, but this part's still mine. Establish your kingdom. Let your will be done. Lord, I pray that you would provide today for each of us all the, the things that we need, food, water, shelter, clothes. God, we thank you that we can trust you to provide. Lord, and help us to forgive. Help us to forgive those people who have hurt us. Help us to forgive those people who have let us down. Help us to forgive those people who have rejected us. Help us to forgive those people who have been so unkind to us. Because you've forgiven us. And God, would you not allow us to succumb to temptation? But would you deliver us? Lord, we receive right now your grace your mercy, your, your spiritual vitality, the strength that you give us to say no to sin and yes to you. Some of you right now, you need to say no to sin. You need to say yes to God. You don't deliver yourself, but you recognize who the deliverer is. If you're in this room and you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your deliverer, as your Lord and Savior, this is the day for it. I, I want to invite you to trust in him today, to turn away from everything that you know to be sin and to trust in him. If that's you, if you'd like to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the one who died for your sins, rose again, defeating Satan's sin and death on the thir third day and offers eternal life, just raise your hand. If you're online, click the button connected with one of our hosts. And just pray this with me. Jesus, I turn away from everything I know to be sin that is disobedience to your desires and your will. And I turn to you submitting myself as a follower and acknowledging you as my Lord, the one who calls the shots in my life and my Savior, the one who delivers me. Jesus, help me to live a life that is worthy of your name. In Jesus' name we pray.